0: So we uh, have one more week in this series, Read, Pray, Love uh, Daily. We'll be going over to the book of Romans next week, so that was a scripture reading uh, this morning. Uh, I will say to you, I'm glad I am a pastor and not a priest. Uh, this has been a challenging week. If you read what, where we are in Leviticus, I mean, being a pastor can sometimes have challenges. I have a One of our church members was in a past church where I served. And I remember when I came to that church, they talked about the new parsonage they had. And it came down to, in the church-wide vote, I believe, down to one vote. Can you imagine that? Voting, do we build a new parsonage or keep what we have or get another one? Down to one vote. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, man, I'm glad I wasn't their pastor during that time until I was their pastor when we voted on another big issue, and it was a tie vote. (laughs) How do you deal with a tie vote in a church? I mean, I'm trying to thumb through the book. I went old school. We had a duel. We had two guys line up. They just walked 10. There are challenges to pastoring, right? But to be a priest in Leviticus 13 and 14? Look, I love y'all. I am not checking your skin rashes and your shiny sore spots uh, the scripture said if, if they if they were if the hair coming out of them was a certain color, you had to go away for seven days. All of y'all would have gone away for seven days. I'm not looking at it. Just go be cleansed. And I'm not coming to your house in Leviticus 14 looking for your house mold, okay? There's some real challenges there about cleanliness and about holiness before the Lord. And we saw that last week when we talked about fat and blood and touch, There's too much to go through here. Everything Renee said to you, she and I have talked before services, I wanted to get to. But we're not even going to have time for that because this this psalm is packed for us this morning. First thing, if you're following along in your notes, it says something of the critical nature of integrity. That's that's verse 1 for David. This word integrity that really doesn't even make its way into the New Testament well. It means Uprightness, it means sincerity of heart, but its root word really means fullness that I am full to the measure with God and I am fully His. Now you and I know David well. David was a man after God's own heart, but we also know his life, his shortcomings his sin, and yet he's saying, hey, look at me, I'm full of integrity. It almost takes us back to what Jesus talked about in Luke when he talks about that Pharisee in Luke 18 who says, hey, I'm not like these people. I fast. I tithe. Look at my life. That kind of exalting of of himself. The outside looks great, but we know what Jesus has to say about that. Y'all, we live in an Instagram culture takes about 20 to 30 poses in the right filter, but my life, look at my life, how great it is, how, 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 and Jesus, Jesus speaks very specifically to that. That's what the Pharisee did, and y'all, there's a real, there's a real struggle in the South of, over that, that I can say, you know what, I've got, I've got pure orthodoxy. I've got right doctrine, Lord, and I, I think the right things about you. Listen, in the age, we'll close with this. In the age in which we live, it has a critical part of our faithfulness, not only to glorify God, but to be a blessing to our world and to our culture, to our friends, and to our family. Believing the right stuff, but then doing what Jesus said, serving the poor, and how we treat our spouse, and how we, how we have the right attitude with others, how we bless God with how we work. We can be tempted to compartmentalize our faith. Look at my outer stuff, but what's going on inside? So we look at David's claim here, integrity, blameless, fullness, and we look at that claim, knowing his life, and go, is that a real claim? I can make some claims before you. I probably shouldn't brag about this, but Mark, you brought it up this week in my office, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, My senior year in high school, our baseball coach told us that we could run track or play tennis as long as it did not involve uh, a baseball practice or a baseball game. So I took him up on that. I played tennis. I won the singles spot to play for the guys. I'll just go ahead and say it because it's of record. I set every record at our school in men's singles. Most wins, most aces, serve percentage, uh, most winners, every record I held at our high school. It was the first year for us to have a tennis team at our high school. So I also had most losses, most double faults, most broken rackets. I mean, I, I set every record. Um, that's a claim. It's not a true claim because you didn't know the background of it. We know David's background. We know the whole story and his his struggle, his shortcomings. How, How are we comfortable with him talking about integrity? It's the same word, by the way, that comes up with Job. Job was, that root word, blameless, perfect. Then you read Job, and what does Job even report about himself in chapter 7, 9, 10, 11, 13? He claims, I'm not perfect. You actually find Job in the very last chapter of Job in dust and ashes, repenting before the Lord. But the Lord says over his life, Yes, he is. And the same with, with David. Uh, you see in, in his life, it's, it's the same with him. He's quick in Psalm 32, 38, 51 to talk about a sin. Psalm 31, 32, and 51 to talk about his iniquity. You find him talking in verse 41 and 51 that he sinned. At least eight different times he says, I am in need of reconciliation. I'm in need of healing. I'm in need of forgiveness. And I need to make my confession. So how does he say anything like this? Because he's not banking on himself. He's banking, and this is what you hear David speak of more than anything else in the Psalms. I'm banking on his mercy. Let me just give them to you. 23, 25, 28, 30, 31, 40, 51, 55, 69, 86, 103, 140, 142, 143, 145. Sold. All talking about the mercy of God. I'm banking on what you said I can have. I'm banking on your words over my life. Yes, I'm living into it. Yes, I've done horrific things. And those, those things that David did didn't just hurt people. They had ripple effects, corporate effects for his sin. But as Ben talked about in his prayer this morning, David had made his confession before the Lord. As we make our confession before the Lord, and the Lord has spoken over his life that he can have integrity. You get down to the, one of the last verses in this chapter, and David makes this claim. I will walk in integrity before the Lord. Do you know what God said about David to Solomon in 1 Kings 9-4? Solomon, I want you to walk in integrity, just like your dad. Now again, David had real stuff that hurt people in very real ways. I want you to walk in integrity just like your dad. That's the claim David says he will do. It's the claim that God speaks into his life. That's the words he has over his servant David, y'all. The devil can whisper in our ear. Our own doubts and struggles and pain and faults can, can scream at us. You'll never be free. We'll have other voices around us, family or friends who would say, you're stuck because of what you've been, what you've done. But the freeing mercy of God who looks at David's life, yes, there's been real stumbles, but when David has made his confession before God, God has thrown those things away. That's literally what the word forgiveness means. I've hurled it away and you are one who walks in integrity. It's a word that David needed to hear. It's a word Solomon needed to hear. Is it a word you and I need to hear? We're not boasting like that Pharisee in Luke 18. I'm boasting in the Lord and in his mercy and in his promises and over what he says. Is your past failure determining who you are? Are you allowing God and his word to tell you who you are and who who he can make you to be? That's first that's 1. I am trusting in the Lord, David says. I am trusting in the Lord, and I have integrity because of his mercy. And so we can say to the Lord, now get this, can, do an examination. Try me. Examine my life. Now listen, we know that God already sees all. Proverbs 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. You don't have to invite him to look closely he is, but do you really want to ask that question and invite him to say, shine your light on my life, test me and examine me. I've been married for almost 28 years. You never ask a question if you're not sure of the answer, right? You don't ask your wife Hey, what do you want to watch tonight? Is there anything you want to watch when the NHL playoffs are on? Because you're going to end up watching Downton Abbey, just chewing your lip, right? You're going to ask God to examine your life and your heart? Why? Because David is confident. Are you confident in the mercy of God? It's on every page almost of the Psalms. The other reason I think David says it, and it's not just I think, you see it in the passage. He knows what's going on around him. This is not some self-glorification of this Pharisee saying, I fast. And I do. This is, I see the world around me is crumbling. This is vindication. God, would you examine me, try my heart, and set me free from all this mess, verse 1, all this mess that is going on around me. And he gets, he gets very specific in verse 2. It doesn't read well in the in English. It says, test my mind and test my heart. That's not what it says. If you go back to the original language. Test my mind and would you look at my kidneys? I want you to check those bad boys out. When, when David says in the Psalm 139, the passage you and I are very familiar with, Search me, O God, and know my kidneys. Know my inner stuff. I want you to look at what's going on in here. Because David's believing that you can do something in there. Not just on the outside of my life, but you can do something in my motives. You can do something in my character. That Pharisee stood out and said, I do all these things on the outside. And God's word says, but your kidneys, your insides are disgusting. God can come and do a work. And David then says, and trust that. Look at me on my heart. Can we just bring our authentic life to him today and say, Lord, what do, you, what, do, what, do you, what do you see that I need to see? But also, what do you see that you're calling me to be that I'm just not seeing or trusting in? Integrity. Examine my life. And the reason he can even open himself up to the sovereign Lord to say, look at my life, examine my life, is the third point in your notes. is because he understands God's love and truth. It's not just truth. But it's love and truth, and there's always, they're always connected. We've talked about this before. John 1, uh, 14, when it speaks of Jesus' incarnation, it says he came full of grace and truth. It's not just truth, and it's not just grace, but it always has to be both. If your, if your friendships are all about grace, they're not Christian. There are times to emphasize grace, sure. But they're all about grace. It's not Christian. If you're parenting, grandparenting is all about truth. And there's no grace, it's not Christian. When Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. The reason David can open his life to God is because he knows God is true, but God is also full of loving kindness. And that's what's stup- the to pour, having bumped into that, that is what has to pour out of our lives. The way I respond to my neighbor, the way I respond to those in need, the way I respond to those at work, the way I respond to those in my small group or my church life, it's got to be grace, but it's got to be grace and truth. Love and truth are never separated in Scripture. Now, these, this is not in your notes, but I want us to look at 4 through 5 and 6 through 8. You can just look, open your Bible and look there. There are 13 different claims that David makes here without blushing. That that there are things that I will not do. There are places I will not go. And there are places I will make sure that I go and things that I do. And he gets pretty specific. And, you all in our culture, we don't do this. You don't name what other people do. And, listen, we have to be careful. We don't want self-righteousness to seep in we we, we got to be careful about that for sure. But as our, Lake Junaluska, two weeks ago, the speaker there did a great job of saying to all of us who were there, who you hang out with, you will slowly become without realizing it. And so David has to name some things. David has to say, I know what's going on here and I know what's going on over there. He doesn't have to shout it to them, but he says it to himself and to the Lord. I'm naming this. What are, what are, what are the places? What are the, sadly, even people? I just can't go there for the sake of my own integrity, for, the, for guarding my own heart and my own life. I can't do that. But also fighting for my own life. As you've done this morning, and said, as hard as it can be some mornings, I'm going to get myself to church I'm going to get myself to small group. I'm going to get myself to my uh, uh, Sunday school. I'm going to get myself to my covenant partner or to my mentor. That's what you see in 6 through 8. I am going to your altar. I am going to your house. Life with God is not just about avoiding evil. Sometimes I, I wonder if sometimes we can say, we can almost feel too secure in our Christianity or our faith. But, well, I've avoided all kinds of evil. Please don't mishear this. Could it be we're just kind of boring? Why well, I don't do anything bad. Well, it's because you, you just don't do anything. You're uncomfortable with it, so you don't step out. Some of us are really fighting because we've got all kinds of creative temptations in life. It's not just about what I avoid, but it's what I do. He says it 13 times here. Not just what I won't do and where I won't be, but here are the things he calls me to go to, and here are the things that I will do do. It's not just avoidance, but are doing the things that are of the will of God. Last thing, and this comes back to our culture as well in verse 12. Last point on your notes. David talks about a level ground, and that's important for us. Y'all, we live in a culture and a world where everything is questioned, that everybody has an opinion, that everybody's saying this is right, and this is wrong, and then they're saying this is right, and that is wrong. And so it is a real struggle for us to be able to say what is true. Y'all have blessed uh, us with a phenomenal parsonage. Um, So don't mishear what I'm about to say. But I think it speaks to what David's speaking of. We have noticed over the last year or two, though, there's there's been a foundation issue, and our trustees are meeting next week. We're going to deal with that. So they're well ahead of the game as soon as they heard about it. But in just doing some homework on that, we knew, like, our doors won't shut because of the way that the, the house is leaning. Like, you open a door, and it'll—I it'll, just—I thought Jim Genesee had demon-possessed it. But now I know it's a foundational thing, and the doors won't shut. And, but we found out it's like seven to nine inches from the garage to the other side of the house. I mean, it's, we have to repel. We have to use gear to get into that. <laughs> Here's the deal. With the exception of the doors, I never would have noticed it. It seems like it's level. Luckily, we had those little signs that said, hey, there is something unlevel going on. And again, our church has jumped on that and we're going to take care of it. But to be honest with you, if you walked in, you wouldn't know you're leaning seven. That's seven, inch, seven to eight inches, I think. Is the, Not a clue. And our culture has a lot of things that are more than seven to nine inches off, but they just kind of sound right. They sound comforting. They sound secure. What David says throughout the Word of God is, He set my feet upon a rock, Psalm 40, verse 2 and he made my footsteps firm psalm 27:11 god always has a straight path psalm 143:10 he puts me on level ground psalm 40 and 42 you're familiar with those passages of a smooth place and a right way psalm proverbs 4:26 says watch your feet watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established do not turn to the right nor to the left nor your foot from evil In the decisions we make and what we decide to do with our our children and our marriages and, and our finances and our stewardship and our call to ministry and our evangelism, God and his word are a level ground. This world is screaming at us with ways to go and things to do and things to follow. But we're reminded by David, if you want your feet on a firm ground, it has to be on the Lord. Seven to eight inches, and I never would have guessed it. And you know what happens when you, when you let a foundation go. How important it is that our foundation and how we do everything and understand everything is in God and in his word. How is it? You need to, to better commit this morning to that. That I, I want your foundation, your word, to to be the base of my life and all my relationships? How is it this day? You need to name some stuff, even some relationships. There are some things I just can't do because I'm fighting for my life and for my integrity. How is it this morning? You need to be open before the Lord, say, even my kidneys, even my inner stuff. I want you to look there and, and tell me, Lord, what do I need to hear? Because David, even with his stuff, was able to say before the Lord, I walk in integrity. And then later, God echoes that to Solomon. If you give your heart, your inner stuff to the Lord, he says, you will walk in integrity. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for your word. That it does ground us, that we can know you and know who to be in you. We pray your Holy Spirit now would bless our response to this word. If we need to open our hearts to you this morning, if we need to be more careful with our integrity in our, in our inner life or temptations outside of us, Father, we pray you'd come and you'd do that work. Bless now our response to this, your word. It is in your Son's name we pray this prayer. Amen.